You didn't know that that was a Christmas movie, did you? That wonderful, uh, how many of you have seen Dumb and Dumber? Now look to the people who have their hands raised and say, you have wasted a lot of time in your life. <laughs> you know that that's a Christmas movie because Jim Carrey's character, his name is Lloyd Christmas. Tis the season, Merry Christmas, we're glad that you're here. The, one of the best scenes of that incredibly hilarious movie is Lloyd who has fallen desperately in love with Mary's Samsonite, if you get the reference. If you don't, watch the movie and don't blame me for wasting the time. It's wonderful. But Lloyd's fallen in love with Mary and he wants to know, what are the chances? The chances like one in a hundred? She says, no, more like one in a million. And, and Lloyd, Lloyd sees that in that response, that things are looking up. Which for you and for me, when we hear that response, we say, what? How could that be good news? How could that, how could he be so demented to think that actually there is some hope and there is some promise and there is some possibility in that answer? Well, it's because of his perspective. It's because of rather than seeing the impossibility, Lloyd has the opportunity to see the possibility. Sees a chance. What do you think the chances that a girl like you would see something in a guy like me? There's a lot of things that I thought would never happen that are happening this weekend. One, you got to see just a couple minutes ago, I was in a Christmas program. My parents begged me my entire childhood to be in the Christmas program. And I said no every year because I was too embarrassed to be on stage. And so last night my mom grabbed me after the 5 p.m. service and she said, finally, my dream has come true. And I said, Mom, I'm glad you set the bar so high for me. But weren't those kids amazing? Can we praise God for them? My goodness. I was taking notes at all of the ones who had speaking parts and I'm thinking, how are they so confident standing in front of that many people? It makes me shake in my boots. And they're like doing it with sass and all that. The other thing that I would never thought would have been possible is for me to stand in front of this many people with a boot on my foot. And I'm only gonna say it so I can save you the question. The foot's gonna make it, I will be okay. It's a running injury that I had run on for way too long and it's also evidence that I'm over 40 now. And I don't respond and my body doesn't repair the way, I'm just rigid now in many ways. And so the boot doesn't go with the jeans but that's okay, we'll call it even. But I'll be fine, don't worry about it. Uh, you can pray but pray for more important things because this is just my stupidity right here. The other thing that is more worthy of our time and and our thoughts tonight is the chances that things could maybe be looking up in our own lives. Because we see a clip like that and we can come in and we can know that it's the second week of Advent and we know uh, from the Bible reading we're focusing on the character of Mary as we kind of count down to Christmas. We're, we're leading up to the celebration of, of the birth of Jesus Christ and as we did it we were taking kind of this, this approach where last week we focused on the prophecy that, that there were people, God's people, God had spoken and communicated to his people through these people who were the prophets and, and God had spoken to them and he had told them that, that they were going to, yes, they're gonna have to wait, but that their wait wasn't going to go on forever, that, that their waiting would be worth it and in their waiting, God would encounter them in a radical way. 
But sometimes as we're able to admit to one another and we need to be able to, 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 to speak honestly, sometimes in the waiting it seems like it's, it's never going to end. But today as we focus on the person of Mary, we see that things are beginning to look up. Not, not just look up for Mary, but look up for everybody who was around her at that time. Just a couple verses before that, and, and, and the angel said it to Mary, that, that her cousin Elizabeth, who, who people would have thought it would have been impossible for her to have a child because people knew that she was barren and she was above the age of being able to have children. But, but even, even Elizabeth was pregnant, and it seems as if all of these things that were impossible, God is starting to make possible in ways that were unlikely, most definitely. But even more than that, were unimaginable. Absolutely 100% unthinkable. That in their reality, in their life, in the waiting that they had been involved with, for centuries that somehow they're on the verge of a breakthrough. Things were going to start to look radically different. Not just look radically different, but things were going to be radically different. But you have to wonder if they thought that they could trust it. You ever have that in your own life? Where you feel like you're, you're, you're on the edge of something unbelievable and, and, and you think that things are just, everything's falling just the way that it's supposed to fall and you think you're just on the verge of something amazing. Like you think that your team that's 10 and 2 could actually win another game and they could be 11 and 2 and then the Vikings disappoint. No, I'm just talking about today, sorry. But as a Vikings fan, for me, I feel like I'm on the edge of a breakthrough and it's going to finally be our year and then they just disappoint me again. Not bitter, just being real. But I'll tell you, I know what this feels like in, in my own life in, in an amazing way. I don't talk about it a lot because it's not really something worth talking about. 31 years ago this January, I was diagnosed with type 1 Diabetes. If you ever look at me and I have my shirt tucked in and you see this thing on my hip, it's not because I'm cool like that and I have a beeper, it's an insulin pump. People ask me that all the time. They say, what's with the beeper? I'm like, no, it's a pump, but thanks for thinking I'm that old school. But when I was nine years old, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and it was interesting. The very first appointment that I had, my dad went with me to every single appointment until I got to an age where I said, dad, will you please not come with me any longer? This is getting weird. I'm 25. I can be a big boy now. But he always wanted to be there. And he would always tell me, he'd say, Jeremy, I don't want you to have to ever go through any of this by yourself. I want you to have somebody with you. So the very first appointment, right after I'd been diagnosed, one of the doctors, an incredible doctor, he walked into the room and he said, you know, I have really good news for you because where science has gotten us now, we are five to 10 years max away from a cure for type 1 diabetes. 
So yeah, you're going to have to deal with this, and yeah, this is going to make some uh, changes in your life, but don't worry about it. Things are going to end rather quickly in your life with this. And every appointment, every single appointment we'd go to would be my dad's very first question. It's the first time I really think I got an actual window into the heart that a parent can have for a child. He wasn't asking for his benefit. He was asking for mine because he desperately didn't want me to be in the place that I was. Every time, every six months, I'd have an appointment. How long? How long? How long? How long? And five to ten years turned into 10 to 15, turned into 15 to 20, turned into 20 to 25, 25 to 30 years. And it got to a point early on where I told my dad, said, Dad, you can't, you can't ask that question anymore. Because it feels like they're just giving me absolute false hope. I don't want them to tell me five to 10 years when, when it wasn't going to happen for who knows how long, maybe not even my lifetime. I mean, they were telling me we were on the verge of a breakthrough, but I couldn't trust it. And people started to, when it got to be the point where we could use the internet, people would, would forward me emails with links to articles that were talking about these new breakthroughs in diabetes. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even read them, to be honest. Because I didn't want to be disappointed again. Which I know is something that we can be well acquainted with. Especially this time of year. I mean, we hear the kids in, in an incredible way proclaim the goodness and the power and the extraordinary love that God has for us. That God's love for us that sends his son into the world that we're getting ready to celebrate in just two weeks. Can you believe Christmas is only two weeks away? I say, yeah. But if that message had anything for me, if that message and that truth and what we're celebrating could do anything for my life, then, then why doesn't it? I mean, it's all about new life and it's all about transformation. It's all about the goodness and the, the things that God can do. But my goodness, can I trust it? Or do, we, do I begin to wonder if I'm placing my hope in something that's not worthy of it? The scripture passage that Ben read for us just before the kids began their program, it, it's a story about Mary and it's a story that we hear every Christmas. We hear it every year. And it's a story that you probably know. Maybe you don't know it by heart, but you know the gist of it. You could, you could do the framework to the fact that there is a woman by the name of Mary. She's a, a younger woman. She's probably, if we're going to be more accurate, she's closer to a teenager. She's a young woman who is engaged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph. And, and something extraordinary happens. And the hope of the world comes through Mary. And we somehow put it really neat and tidy and think it was really clean and simple and there was no questioning in it. But did you hear this response that Mary gave? The angel appears and 
Angels, from a biblical perspective, were messengers of God. When the angels would show up, it would be a very big deal. That's why so many times when angels show up in Scripture, the first words out of their mouth is, don't be afraid because angels would show up and their power and their glory would be magnificent. The people would be caught off guard and they'd be wondering, what is this that's surrounding me? And so Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, don't be afraid, Mary, but blessed are you. Mary, you're blessed. And sometimes we confuse it to think the only reason that Mary's blessed is is because she's going to be the one that's going to give birth to Jesus. But that's not the blessing. The blessing is that she gets to be a part of what God is up to. Even when she had to have felt that she was the most unlikely of people. In the most suspicious of circumstances. The angel delivers the message to Mary, and Mary says, how could this be? How could that ever happen? Because I know who I am, and I know the events of, of my life. And sure, this message that you've come to give me seems like an incredible gift, an incredible life-transforming event, but how, how, could, how could that ever happen? Which is where we find ourselves far too often. When, when we're standing on the gap of what we believe and what we know to be possible and what we feel God is calling us to or what we feel we're being asked to do or we feel that we know that, that the life that we're being called to live, where, where that falls, it just seems the, the gap between the, the possible and the impossible is just way too great. It's way too big. If you're anything like me, it's when I stand on the edge and the gap between those two. I would love to tell you that that's where my faith is the strongest. But too often, that's where my faith is the toughest. Because that's when I want to hold on and control and make sure that my hands are all over everything that happens because for me to let go and let God as the cliche is said over and over and over again is way too risky for me. Where the gift truly would be to let go and let God I <laughs> hold on and hold out. I think that the only way that this is going to change is if somehow if I make it or I will it to happen. Because I know what reality is. And I don't want to get caught up in something that's not real or not possible. 
And maybe that's where you stand tonight. Or this week. Or this month. Or maybe for a season of your life that's gone on for so long. To hear the words that things are starting to look up almost seems offensive to you. Seems as if almost it's a cold slap to your face. That's the amazing gift that we see in the story. Because where flesh can't, faith can. Where our humanity is not able to, the gift of faith that is given to us as a gift. Sometimes we say, well, that's easy for you to say because maybe you, you know more about God or you've studied more about God or you grew up in a house that, that shared with you the stories of God and because of all of those things, you're able to have a faith that's able to, to stand in the middle of those times and those situations in your life and we forget what the Bible assures us that faith isn't anything that we bring to the table but faith is a gift that is given to us. So the good news of Jesus Christ. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this isn't your own work, Paul says. It's a gift. Faith is a gift, it says in Romans chapter 10. And it comes from hearing the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed. Faith is the gift that covers the impossible things with the possibilities of God. That's the story of Mary. Mary wasn't blessed. She didn't have God's favor because of what she did. She was blessed because she knew that there was a God who could move even in the places she couldn't imagine. The angel says to Mary... Maybe we should read this together. For nothing is impossible with God. Because it isn't. Nothing. Nothing's impossible with God. And that's not some wish upon a star. That's not some pie in the sky. That's not some sweet words that try to tamp down the, the angst that's found itself in, in our lives. That's the reality. We have a God that at the beginning of time was able to speak creation out of nothing. We have a God who time and time and time again, every time God's people were in a place, every time his children were in a place that they faced something that on their own was impossible, God stepped in every single time. He does and he will in your life. And he's not waiting for you to get it all right and he's not waiting for you to do the right things and he's not waiting you, for you to be good enough and, or to do enough. He's doing it right now even when you don't see it and you can't feel it because nothing 
Nothing is impossible with God because we have a God who is faithful. Psalm 89 in a chorus, an anthem that God's people would shout into the valleys of their lives. Your unfailing love, God, will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. God works the impossible in our lives for our good. He's a good God who gives good gifts every time, who works in the brokenness and the places where it feels like things have fallen apart and he restores us, which literally means he puts it back together one piece at a time, but not just in us, but through us. One of the beautiful reminders that we're given every season of Advent is this mission that we're on as a church. It's a reminder that it's not just about us. That sometimes God works the impossible in other people's lives through the message that we share that has been given to us, given to you. That's why this Advent we're moving into one of the most war-torn, devastated, hopeless places in the world right now. The largest refugee crisis in the world where people have been taken from their homes, forced out of their homes, they've become victims and they have no one to turn to and nobody that will walk alongside them. There's a woman from our congregation. Her name is Jane Patton, and she just got back from Uganda. She just got back from a trip, and she was able to go on this Mvepi refugee camp, and, and the experience has just rattled her in a way where her life won't be the same, and she's trying to, to reconcile the life that she's able to live here with the life that they are, are living there, and she's starting to wonder, what does this all mean? And, and she comes across this message of this hope that, that even though it seems impossible, that somehow God could, could use you to bring life. She sent me an email just this past week. She sent it to myself and to Pastor Mike. And she was trying to wrestle with all of these things. And listen to these words. She says, are those precious ones who have had to flee their homes in South Sudan waiting? Who or what are they waiting for? Are they waiting for God, for his timing, for him to rescue them from their exile? Isn't he there already, working among them? As these questions swirl around in my head, it occurred to me that God is using us, Lutheran Church of Hope, through this Advent project, for thousands, thousands, Thousands of women who have absolutely no hope this side of heaven. They have nobody who will be able to come alongside of them. You heard it in the Hope 360 where this young woman is saying, I'm trying to be a mother to my child and I don't even know where my parents are. I have no hope. For thousands of teen girls and child mothers 
some of their pain will be eased and their waiting will be worthwhile. God is showing up through us, through hope, through child voice to give them hope and dignity and to remind them of who he says that they are. That their identity doesn't come from their circumstance, but their identity comes from who God created them to be while they were still in their mother's womb. That their impossible is now going to become possible through you. If you want to know how to be a part of this campaign, I couldn't encourage you more strongly to get involved. You can pray. There are donation buckets at every exit of this place. Every single cent that's collected will go directly into the lives of girls who are affected and need hope and need life because God's light shines in every single circumstance because he's given us the message of hope not just to give us the, the promise that things are looking up for us because we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ who's come into this world to allow us to have a hope and a future that's filled with God's promises not our hopelessness but he also works it through us to the world around us so that the world will look different because of who God's called you to be and who you allow people to know who they are because of who he is. Because love has come down and we get the opportunity to be a part of it. Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Well, what does he say about you? You're his child. You're forgiven. Your salvation is secured. Your hope is real. And the message that you have to share is worth it.